I love therapy, and in fact, I've been going to therapy since I was around six years old. Though I talk about therapy a lot and may interview some therapists on the show on occasion, nothing that is said in this podcast should be considered a replacement for therapy. If you are struggling, I urge you to please seek guidance from a therapist because you are absolutely worth it. I am your host, Rachel Dalton, and this is episode 61. (laughs) I didn't realize until I was editing the last episode that that was episode 60, which is pretty cool that we're up to 60 episodes, and honestly, even more if you count the bonus episodes that I ran last summer. So, uh, yay me, I guess. And um, speaking of last week's episode, I know that that was a tone shift. (laughs) And um, I got to be honest, it felt really good. I think that I've been putting on very much a brave face for the last year, maybe longer, um, when things like honestly haven't been the greatest in a lot of my personal life. And I've really been struggling. Um, my, My breakup was a catalyst for a lot of things and I just haven't talked a ton about it uh, partially out of respect uh, for him but also just because it's tough to be vulnerable it's it's hard Um, but I guess that's what you sign up for when you have a podcast that's focused around relationships um, for better or for worse but I uh, in this episode and in another episode that's going to be airing in a month or two, you know, I do talk a little bit more about it, not in anything detailed, um, but just a little bit more about its its impact on me and my my thoughts about it. So yeah, it felt kind of nice to be real, you know, and uh, talk about the shittiness that's happening in the world, which honestly to me just feels like shittiness on top of shittiness on top of shittiness. Um, but yeah. I think I had a little bit of a breakthrough while recording the intro for the last episode. It's interesting because as I was sitting there and talking about how things change so quickly, I just, I really took it to heart and I just thought about how short life is and how quickly things change. You know, there was a shooting that same week in Philadelphia, just a a girl who wasn't even drinking. She was a designated driver for her friends in Philadelphia, and she got uh, shot by a stray bullet and died, 21 years old. And just, you can be just living your life, and something will happen that changes everything. And I know I'm not, like, sharing anything, like, crazy. You know, we all know this on some rational level but actually embodying it you know is something that I feel like I started to do I've really been able to focus on being more present ever since then really being grateful for the moments that I have where you know my life isn't falling apart because like it could be worse it really could be worse things are shitty yes things are shitty for everyone in the world it feels like at this point but 
I don't know. I'm having a lot more gratitude for the things and the people that I do have in my life. And, um, yeah, just a, a lot more gratitude and a lot more of an ability to be present and be grounded in the moment. So that was kind of a cool, I don't know, thing that happened in last week's episode. And yeah, it was just kind of nice to be real. <laughs> um, speaking of last week's episode, you know, I talk a little bit about the letter that I sent to my representative. I got a bounce back email and I penned this very long honestly very well written if I do say so myself letter to my representative telling him why he's not actually pro-life because if he were pro-life he would do all of these things and I listed off things about gun control and funding for education the homelessness crisis uh yeah I talked a lot I got a bounce back email saying that the mailbox isn't checked so of course like they send back a canned response and you can't <laughs> it's just ridiculous but you know what I got it out there I sent the message um I did end up resending it through his website so guess what you're just gonna get another email from me I'm working on being present I got nothing but time sir uh really quick personal selfish promo thing for myself. I don't know if you remember the episode that I ran, I think it was in fall of 2021, uh, with Violetta, um, the host of the Pillow Talking podcast, but I actually did end up submitting a story to Pillow Talking and it appeared in the most recent episode. So I'll link that in the episode notes. You can, what she does is she narrates these different stories that that people send in about intimate conversations that happen um, in the bedroom and they don't even necessarily have to be sexy just there's so much intimacy in that space right um, so yeah I I wrote that pretty cool to hear my name and she shouted out the podcast as well so uh, yeah check that out let me know what you think Alrighty, so if you are not a stranger to the All Ports Open Network and the different streaming things and podcasts that we offer, uh, you will know who Ben Wallace is. Ben Wallace is one of the co-founders of the All Ports Open Network, and he also is the creator of a new game called Broken about broken relationships and we talk about the mechanics of the game we talk about how people heal we talk about the beauty of sadness um yeah I've known Ben for for a while now and you know he's a friend and so it was kind of fun to just jump into a deep conversation and he and I are no strangers to that we did that every week on no avatars allowed for a very long time Please, 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 please check out the episode notes uh, where you can help to fund this game, Broken. Uh, you can read more about it. You can read more about Ben. Uh, yeah, I put a bunch of stuff in the episode notes, so please check it out. Uh, I haven't played the game, and I probably won't for some time. I would like to someday, but it sounds so cool, and Ben super proud of you for putting it together it's it's honestly it's beautiful um 
So yeah, check that out. And we're going to talk about it. You're going to learn about the mechanics of the game and the themes and how it impacts people, how it impacts the players. Um, so yeah, I guess I guess we'll just jump right into it. Uh, going to cut to a quick commercial break and then please enjoy my conversation with Ben. Calling all citizens of Halcyon City. The newest generation of heroes are now painting the pages of Delinquent Comics, an actual play podcast in the game world of Masks, a new generation. Join our heroes as they struggle to build a team and save the city. Can Titan escape the shadow of his mentor burnout? Is Soul's overwhelming power too dangerous to control? Will Muse discover her past? And how does White Knight's stomach all those strange snacks? Listen to Delinquent Comics to find out at allportsopen.com, Spotify, iTunes, or wherever podcasts are found. New issues become available to all citizens every other Monday. Hello, everyone. Welcome back. I am super excited for my guest today. It's somebody that I've known. How long have we known each other? Oh, I don't even remember when we started doing podcasts together. Like 2017, 2018, wow, something like that. Well, it this is, is something this like is, that. <laughs> crazy. This is Ben Wallace, who um, is one of the founders of the All Ports Network. Oh, uh, wow. All Ports Open Network, which is the um, network that the podcast is on. So welcome. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Yeah, um, I'm super excited to talk to you today because we are going to be talking about gaming and healing and how those two have played together for you to the point where you created a game about it. Yeah. So um, tell tell the listeners a little bit about you, um, about you know your story, where you're from, what you do, how sure. you can be here. <laughs> cool. Yeah, gladly. Thank you very much. Um, so yeah, so I'm Ben, and sometimes on social media I go by that gamer priest because I am not only the co-founder of the All Participant Network, but I'm also a member of the Episcopal clergy. I'm an Episcopal priest. Uh, people may not know what that means. Uh, let's I forget just, all the time. It's, it's like <laughs> it's like um, the Episcopal Church, which is the church I'm clergy in, is kind of like a very progressive Roman Catholic. It's similar to Roman Catholic in like all the trappings. We have priests. We look like wear the same kinds of vestments. We have a very similar liturgy. We have a fairly similar sacramental theology, but we also have women clergy and LGBTQ clergy and are socially progressive in like a whole host of ways. So yeah, so I'm, I'm an Episcopal priest. Uh, I am a uh, let's see uh i do a bunch of stuff on the internet too uh, so i'm a dad i have three kids um i have a, a spouse named mel who i also podcast with and rachel has done yeah. podcasts with actually uh, yeah yeah i love mel and mel and i did a podcast for a long time called pot of love which was a romance and relationship actual play podcast so we would play uh romance games mostly two-player romance and relationship games and we would record them and tell stories uh with them kind of centered around them so that's sort of the short version of who i am i do like a lot of stuff in the ttrpg world i'm a game designer i do streams i interview people 
people. I've done podcasts for a long time. I've been podcasting for for ages now. I did a clergy podcast called Preschools for a long time. So I've done that's a lot of information for people. I've done a lot of stuff, and yeah, so that's sort of the short version. You've you been you've been around the block. I have <laughs> the podcasting been. and the gaming block. Yeah. yeah, I was like, how do you find time to be a dad? You do so much. Oh, don't ask that because <laughs> somebody recently said to me something like, like I was talking to a spiritual like clergy support group, and I was just talking about some of the stress I've been feeling lately with balancing everything. You know, like spinning too many plates. And someone oh, was yeah. like, someone said actually said to me like, oh, it's just like that song, the cats in the cradle and the silver. I'm like, why would you say that to me? Like, do you I'm want sorry, me to what? like cry in this conversation? Like, <laughs> like you're telling me it's like that song about like the dad is not there for his kids. Like, that's what you're telling me. This sounds like because now, now I just want to like go ugly cry wow. in the corner, you know, in the corner. Wow. But that's and, a, I guess an it interesting be, way of <laughs> it might be worth adding to one thing I didn't add into there, but I am divorced. I've gone through a pretty intense divorce experience and so i'm married to mel and mel is my second wife so we have a very blended sort of mixed family household right 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 yeah and actually that's leads in perfectly to my next question which is what's the inspiration for the game yeah thank you thank you uh for asking well so the game that i'm publishing in july is called broken it's a tragic romance game it's a uh two-player game basically folks think of a, a game that helps you tell stories and in this case it's tragic stories and it's always a tragic story because you what you do in this game is you make a relationship between two people now that could be something very hyper realistic like it could be uh Bob and Larry. <laughs> I don't know why the Veggie okay. characters popped into my head, but uh, <laughs> well, let's, you know what? Because that could actually be a game of Broken, I'm going to set Bob and Larry aside. I want to think about Let's, that one a different yeah. time. That would be a fascinating playthrough of Broken. No, it could be like, uh, we'll say Michelle and Steve, right? Uh, you can, one of you plays Michelle, one of you plays Steve. You kind of determine what the relationship is like. You determine traits about their relationship. And then over the course of 10 scenes in the game, uh, you you break up. You'll, you'll play a story out where these two characters will break up and your relationship will end. Like I said, that's like a hyper-realistic example. But you can make any kinds of characters. You could set this in a historic setting. Like this could be like a medieval prince and and like his courtier lover like you know they mm -hmm. uh, it could be it could be a science fiction you know like space warlord or you know most of the games we've played are fairly like rom-com influenced um i don't know true to life kind of stories yeah. but there's a lot of flexibility uh what you know what you can play so so that is um i what was the actual question because now i kind of distracted myself oh with, uh, the the inspiration i mean but oh. it's good though and i don't know if we've even said the name of the game yet yeah but. yeah <laughs> right so it's a breakup game where you about broken hearts and broken physical objects we'll kind of kind of circle back to that in a in a minute so i'll just talk about the inspiration i guess um as i said i'm a divorced person i went through an intense breakup i got remarried and uh, and I, with my spouse now, Mel, we started playing all these relationship and romance games. I knew when I went through my divorce and we went through a divorce with a kid and that became kind of complicated. Uh, and the whole, the whole thing was emotionally complex and, and honestly, it was just like, I, I am a hopeless romantic at heart and 
my story really begins way back in high school because I met my first wife when we were in high school together. We were high school sweethearts. We fell in love. I didn't know that. Yeah. Oh, interesting. We had like the, like we were the, those two people that everyone's like, they're the ones like the, you know, everyone was shocked when we got divorced because it's like of all people, they thought we would never be the people to break up. Like we were, Hmm. we were like inseparable in like high school and college and afterward. Uh, you know what, folks? It's interesting because a lot of times, inseparable also is a sign of unhealthy or toxic Good relationship dynamics, mm-hmm. uh, as I learned later in life. But yeah, so I was a, I married my high school sweetheart, and we went through a pretty painful divorce. And I knew afterward that I wanted to heal from it through some some sort of creative activity. And I thought about writing a kind of traditional memoir or or maybe theological work or sort of reflection about my own theology of divorce and remarriage. Cause I think the church has done a lot of damage to people by not articulating mm-hmm. a good belief structure about breakups and divorce. Uh, you know, the Roman Catholic church doesn't even allow theoretically allow divorce, right? My church does. <laughs> and, yeah. but I believe in not to get theological on your show here, but maybe a tiny bit, but like, yeah, you know, I mean, it's who you are. Let's, let's get, let's do it. Cool. Well, I mean, my religion is one about resurrection, right? It's all about resurrection. So to me, I was like, well, that, that should be new life, right? Like that sort of post divorce life is about resurrection. It's about like your, your something in your life, your marriage died or ended mm-hmm. and you're trying to heal and kind of find new life afterward that's what it was like for me uh, coming to the other side of divorce. And so I just thought, well, you know, there's really, it's really lacking. We're really lacking in our theology around that. Like we allow people Hmm. to get divorced and remarried, but we don't have really good theological language for that. So I thought maybe that would be how I would go through my healing process, but I, it just didn't seem right or feel exactly what was perfect for me or what was a right fit for me or adequate to what I wanted to do. And as I said, I had gotten remarried and we were, we were making pot of love and just had this idea of instead of like telling my story in the kind of the traditional direct way, I would instead create the framework whereby people could play a game that would create stories about breaking up and divorce, not just for the sake of breaking up or divorce, but like to also help foster a healing process for other people. I'm the kind of person, because I'm a priest, it, like it's just in my nature to want to help people and want, mm-hmm. you know, I wanted to write my story, not just to tell it, but so that maybe it would help other people. And I thought, well, if I make a game, then lots of people can kind of like people who need it for the processing or the healing, they might find it for that. Other people might, it might help them develop some empathy. Even if they mm-hmm. like don't have a divorce or like a breakup in their history. I mean, everyone's kind of broken up, right? Like in some way and not, not even just romantic relationships, but like. Oh, yeah. Friendships. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's just part of life, right? Like people go their separate ways. So like, yeah. Empathy yeah. building. Uh, I, the game has lots of themes of identity, self-discovery, memory, hope, loss, heartbreak, healing. And I wanted to give people the framework to explore some of those things. And that was the background of what inspired me to to make the game. That is so cool. And it actually brings up um, kind of a thought that I had, you know, listen, it's, it's so funny because I just aired the last 
episode where I mentioned my former partner, like yeah, bef- like it was a backlog episode that I had recorded before the breakup. Oh, I see. And uh, it's it's funny now too because like I have a couple episodes, a couple guests in the pipeline where the subject's going to be breakups, and I'm just like, wow, weird timing. Okay, yeah. Um, <laughs> but uh, it reminds me a lot of something that I've been thinking about and something that I've been talking about with you know some guests where that's the subject matter. There is something really, really beautiful about like a separation in a way. And Mm. maybe that's like this like writer part of me or whatever. But like I was I was in Wegmans because that's where I grocery shop now. Mm -hmm. I don't know how I lived without it before. (laughs) Um, But I was I was in Wegmans like a couple weeks ago and I was. Um, buying flowers for myself and you know I was just there was a little bit of sadness there and I was just feeling like oh, like you know still feeling a little blah why it's been like you know over nine months why am I still feeling blah and then this voice in my head just said Rachel how lucky are you to have loved so hard that it hurts so much mm. Yeah. And there's something to, I mean, it's kind of like the Valentine rabbit, right? Like yeah. what is real? And they say real, like you become battered and bruised and you know, you're not neat and clean, but it doesn't matter because love makes you real. Yeah. And that's what I'm thinking about, you know, as you're talking about this game, it sounds like, like I know that one of my past breakups, we almost, I remember saying to him, why are we communicating now? That we're like separating like why couldn't it have been like this the entire time mm. it's almost like our communication improved when we were going through you know we were living together and it was like we were going through the process of separating and our communication just became so much better and you know the night before i moved out we made a really nice dinner and had a dinner together wow to like celebrate you know the fact that we were so important in each other's lives. Yes, I am capable of a positive breakup. People might not believe that, but I am capable of it. Um, and I would prefer that all my breakups, you know, went that way. But yeah. anyway, it's just kind of an example of like how yeah. beautiful sadness really can be. And I don't think, I think that people, it's so uncomfortable for people yeah. that they don't like to sit in it. And that's really interesting because another interview that's going to come up um, after this one, in a, maybe like a month or two, is uh, about a woman who wrote a book called Sitting in the Sadness. Mm. So, um, like, talk about that a little bit. Like, what what do you feel like you learned or what was that emotional process through not only developing the game, but watching people play it? Watch it. Yeah. Oh, that's a great question. So, I, mm, I, I'm also someone that loves... Like I, so I, as I said, I'm a hopeless romantic, and that's true. And I like traditional like rom coms and things like that. Uh, I like happy endings, but I also love sad things, love sad stories, love sad mm-hmm. media. Like it, it's, I find sadness to be beautiful. So it's kind of in some ways not a surprise uh, that I would make a tragic game and kind of lean into that sadness. And I do have an idea for another game that's even sadder, actually. Oh gosh, as a spiritual <laughs> sequel to this one, I won't say what it is here because I haven't like. I haven't mentioned it to a single soul okay. yet. All right. It, it, All right. But, but I kind of, yeah. So I, I, I have a spiritual sequel in mind for this one that somehow manages to be sadder. Uh, but yeah, so I playing the game has been re- and developing the game and playing with people has been a very fascinating experience. You learn a lot about your game by like seeing other people play it. One of the things that's just been very impressed upon me and I kind of, 
Well, so a couple of things. One, I've been I've been surprised at how the game just naturally pulls you in to the characters and the story, even if like mm-hmm. people kind of sit down and they're just kind of casual at the beginning. Uh, it's amazing how how hard it can really pull you in. So it does have the potential to be very emotional. Like uh, there are, and when we get to the part where I talk about the mechanics, I'll kind of point out some of the places mm-hmm. where I've learned how emotional can really get. And, and, but one of the things that's been really surprising too, is just like how flexible the game is to tell different kinds of stories. And every people, every person that plays it, like every tu- duet that plays it, it's just such a different story and such a different experience. One thing I really like about, I like doing with it or and it's been really cool to see is like playing in the margins of other types of stories so like uh, what I mean by that is you could play a traditional one of the games I played was a traditional like 80s rom-com except we played sort of the the scenes you didn't see right like Mm. the kind of more realistic after the fact so like one of the moments we had in our game was like the really stereotypical 80s scene where the like male protagonist showed up the bully the antagonist in some way like a back to the future type thing mm-hmm. and like everyone you know that moment where everyone like cheers for the male protagonist and like you know the girls usually there smiling off to the side or whatever but like we played it where this our scene in the game was about how like showing that from a different angle kind of like from her perspective and how she ended up being like hurt in that scene and kind of ignored and kind of lost for his sake so like the that whole game was kind of like an 80s rom-com but in the margins right and like how like they ended up breaking up at the end in our version like so i like the like taking things like that and doing a twist on it uh, and then I've also just been surprised at how silly the game can be. The most recent game I demoed for some people, they played Benjamin Franklin and Benjamin Franklin's childhood best friend, a talking raccoon. And okay, okay, and that, and it involved a subplot about assassinating George Washington. Uh, <laughs> but you know what? Like they argued and they broke up. I mean, as far as best friends can break up, right? Like, yeah, the, the, I, I did not, I knew, I, I intentionally wanted the game to be flexible. So it wasn't necessarily just romance, even though it is a tragic romance game in the title that you could do different kinds of relationship breakups. I wanted it to be flexible enough for that, but I, I also wanted to be flexible enough that you could play different kinds of scenarios, but even still, I didn't kind of anticipate the, the 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 amount of flexibility it really does have while still telling still being able to do the really deep really hard breakup stuff that's like feels real like the game i'll warn people who might want to play it like there are safety tools built into it but like it really does replicate the feeling of breaking up with somebody so, and that can be very intense especially oh, yeah. if you take it seriously and especially if you've been through a, ha- a hard breakup so like people who read the game and play the game often will say to me i don't know how you got the feel of breaking up so accurately mm-hmm. so like, oh that's great feedback yeah so that's a warning for people more than anything so you know just to have that in mind but you can choose going into it you can walk into it going like hey let's have a like light-hearted thing here you know like let's uh like 
let's play our uh, let's let's play a little bit of a lighthearted scenario because you can still have a lot of fun with it. I still think it's a fun game even if you kind of do it that way. But yeah, it oftentimes is exploring some of those deeper and and sadder themes. Yeah, no, that's intense, and I mean, such like again, that's really good feedback. Just having somebody say, "I don't know how you got that," because yeah. going through a breakup is just a, such a specific type of grief, right? Like yeah. it's it's a death, but it's not, and like depending on yeah. your attachment styles, how it goes down can be. It's just, I yeah. mean, I I can completely see all of the different potential scenarios. I mean, I just had like fifty. I feel like pop into my head that you could <laughs> that you could do, but. Um, yeah, I guess tell us a little bit about the mechanics of the game. Like, how does it work? Walk us through a yeah, absolutely. So you basically come up with your partner. Like, what kind of scenario you want to play? Like, what's the couple going to look like? What, when's it going to take place? What what genre exact? Like, what kind of subgenre here are we talking about? And once you have an idea about that, each of you kind of gets an idea of like, I'm going to play this character and I'm going to play this character. So for people who might not be familiar with role playing games, it, this game like. You kind of you can either kind of act as or role play your characters, kind of like D and D does Dungeons and Dragons. Mm-hmm. People don't know, kind of like that. Ah, uh, st- season four of Stranger Things is out. I feel like people are there. In you go. It's more D&D pervasive right now. <laughs> yeah, than, than it used to be. But or you could actually kind of just tell the story from a third person perspective, like kind of like if you're both writing a movie together or describing scenes in a movie. Sure. So you're going to com- decide which of you is going to be which character, and then you're going to get into oh I, I i left out kind of the main core mechanic of the game the core mechanic of the game is breaking physical objects actual real life physical objects and the way that works is you're going to gather a total of 10 physical objects that are going to serve as scene prompts through the game and at the end of every scene you're going to break one of them so these are going to be objects you're going to be willing and able and capable to break sometimes people will like go thrift store shopping to like collect 10 mm-hmm. breakable things. Mm-hmm. And that's a lot of fun because it allows you to like play with the person that you're going to play with, but like kind of beforehand, or you could both like separately bring five objects to the table. Yeah. I've done that before too. And you don't know what other five the other person's going to bring. And so, yeah, you bring 10 objects to the table. Now there is an alternative way to play where if you don't want to break physical objects, you can take popsicle sticks and you can write physical objects on the popsicle stick oh yeah wow that's really yeah creative yeah and then at the end of the scene you just snap it and it breaks really well so it really Mm -hmm. works it works really well and it's what it's another thing i've learned listening to people play that's really fascinating it's just like it's a kind of different game in some ways depending on which of those two things you do and that's because of the kinds of objects you can have just kind of it changes the game when people do the popsicle stick ones they often i find people make the objects so much more like personal to the characters because you can in that instance Yeah. yeah exactly so like oh a portrait i drew of you right or the first letter you ever wrote me shit yeah that's... <laughs> instead, of like, instead of like uh well we did find uh, we recently found at a thrift store a tiny violin that plays it's a music box that plays my heart will go on from titanic stop yep we broke that stop it yeah we, oh my god we broke, we broke that it still actually does play my heart will go on though I mean, yeah, the heart goes on. The heart goes on. Exactly. Like, how how much more beautiful and symbolic can you get with a broken music box that still plays? My heart will go on. Yes. Oh boy, jeez. Yeah. I mean, well, yeah. <laughs> 
with these objects that people are picking up and breaking. Yeah. I mean, it just makes me think about rage rooms, right? Like I'm thinking about how Mm -hmm. really physicalizing any angst that you might feel. Yeah. it, It really does help. Yeah, and so I I can imagine that like in the context context of the game that just adding such another cool it's almost like you've taken all of the aspects that people do when they're trying to heal and put it into like one game you know uh, the, yeah. the physical exercise and yeah like yeah and that, cool. that experience of like it's both cathartic but also like it, it just kind of has this real physicality to play when you break something like especially if you have to like go outside and smash it because sometimes you have to like yeah depending on the object that's what you have to do and yeah even if it's just a popsicle stick though it just adds this such a being able to hear the snap being able to feel it break in your hands the fact that like that thing is now gone it just like adds this whole other it's different than just saying like okay and now in fiction the thing is gone well like that's one thing but like an actual in flesh object like in our real flesh and blood object. it's destroyed yeah mm-hmm. right in front of you yep. and it can never come back again it's that's it it's gone and it just adds yeah and it, and it really just adds something to the feeling of playing the game so that's that's the core mechanic and so there it's also so it's we like to say it's an artifact based game because you have those objects or artifacts sure. that you break it's also right. a ritual game so, like, the way you, once you make characters, another really key thing to the game is you make traits. But unlike kind of a more, uh, like, a more traditional, um, like, if you, like, think of traits, like, um, my character has brown hair, my character has blue eyes, my character is tall. Uh, traits in this game are kind of about the other person. It's, you're going to write five things that your character from a very subjective point of view from your character's perspective five things that they like about or love about or are attracted to uh the other in the other person or something that they like about being in a relationship with them so Mm -hmm. i might put uh you know he has just the most in like inviting big brown eyes or i might put I feel safe and secure when I'm with her all the time. Or like, I know she would never lie to me. <laughs> uh, and then you'll see, you'll see in a minute why I laugh because these can get pretty brutal. Uh, I can imagine already. I'm yeah, like, oh God. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And they're always from your character's perspective. So they don't have to be objectively true. So I might write down like, Rachel likes to be teased. But, <laughs> and we all know that that's not the case in reality <laughs> to be teased but that could then become some of the thing that you know you're gonna fight about in the game like right right, right. uh and so the way the game also plays with memory everything is kind of looking back uh on a relationship but you don't see it the same way so when you play out these scenes one of the players uh takes a physical object and then just needs to kind of be loosely inspired by it. So like if I pick up a record, like a vinyl record that me, I, I might say, I might decide to set the scene in a record store, or I might decide to set the scene to mu- some sort of music or at a concert, mm-hmm. you know, it's just a loose inspiration based on the physical object. And then I would start the game by saying, remember when, and then I would say the scene, you know, remember when we saw the flaming lips in concert mm-hmm. and then the other player would say but you forgot about 
and adds a twist or uh, an, a, a, you know, some sort of stumbling block or difficulty or challenge, like something to the scene. Like, but some you, sort of different perspective. Yeah. yeah. So it could be like, but you forgot about how you went off with your friends to get high during the concert and left me behind. And right, that could be right, right. the bit you forgot. But it could be almost anything, honestly. Um, so then you would play out the scene or describe what happens in the scene together, like uh, either kind of playing as your characters from their perspective, acting them out, or just kind of like describing things in the third person. And to go together, you're working to tell a little bit of a story. But the direction you're both trying to work towards is those traits that you made, the five things that are about kind of about the other person. You're going to work towards one of the two of you. You're going to put them in a stack so that one of, so that only one of them is showing. And whatever okay. one's on top, you and the other person both have one on top. And you want to make the scene kind of go towards one of you becoming disillusioned with the showing trait. So if, if uh, let's see, I'm just trying to come up with a good example. If like the top sh- card I have for mine is the uh, like, or maybe the other person has that uh, I love how tall he is like his height is so wonderful i love how tall he is and then the scene might have to do with going to this concert and like getting in some fight about like hoisting you up on my shoulder the other person up on the shoulder so that they can see the concert and then they get in some sort of fight about it and then the scene ends when one of you feels disillusioned with that top trait so the person might say and then you always say i used to think so that so if i become disillusioned with the other person's height because we kind of got an argument about them picking me up on their shoulders during the concert, I mm-hmm. might say, I used to think that I loved how tall you are. And then I would use, you have a candle lit on the table, you burn the trait, and then you break the vinyl record or the physical object. Holy and, shit. And that, ends, <laughs> and that ends the scene right there. It's over. No more is said. That whatever, if you were having an argument or something in character, it's over. The moment one of you becomes disillusioned with the thing, scene is ends and then yeah you do that you do that a total of nine times there are 10 objects you do that nine times and then for the last scene you don't do the remember when ritual anymore you uh you just sort of decide together okay and it's the it's the breakup scene always it's always the final breakup so you might say okay how did we break up and then you might like decide together i think it would have happened at this place uh and then once you've decided you play out the breakup you break the final object and that's that's mostly what happens in the game. Jeez. Yeah, that's I could not play that right now. Maybe in a year. <laughs> yeah. I've had a fair number I of people say it. to me, Yeah, I don't think I can play that. Or I don't think I can play yeah. that right now. And I I get that. Like it it obviously invites some intense stuff, you know. I get it. There's gonna be a lot of what we call bleed in the game design world, which means yeah. like, my personal feelings coming out into the character. In a game. Absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, it's the same thing with like, you know, theater. You, yeah. Yeah. The character becomes you in a way, parts yeah. of you are in the character. That is, I mean, so here's a question. Like, I think it's good that you lay out at the beginning. It's always a breakup, right? The game is called Broken. Right. Like, yep. because one of the things that I've been thinking about a lot is just how hard I will try and how, like, aside from like abuse. I basically am like, no, we can work this out. Yeah. We can do this. Like, yeah. So what about, do you ever have people who are playing through the game and they're just really, really um, yep. 
like avoiding, you know, the, the conflict, trying to be as empathetic as possible, trying to be a good partner, you know, really trying to make the breakup not happen. Yeah, absolutely. And you you know you could try as much as you want to but at the end of every scene one of you will become disillusioned with one of those things and you'll have one less object and eventually you'll get to the last scene and you'll inevitably you'll have to break up but by then you'll probably want to honestly um so yeah people people have i've found that one of the things that tends to happen in that case is that they kind of get a really toxic relationship because one of them is trying really hard to not let it get to a breakup and the other person kind of naturally becomes even worse, like <laughs> takes advantage of it. And yeah. I've just kind of seen that happen. If you both are really trying to fight it, I don't know. I don't think I've anyone see, I've seen anyone lean into that. That would be really interesting. Yeah. I just know. I mean, that's like, I know for me, I'm just like, wait, people give up on relationships so easily. Like, you know, again, aside from, massive incompatibility or yeah or uh like uh, again abuse um or something like that you know that can't be i don't i'm a hopeless romantic too right like i think that almost anything can be overcome yeah um you know within reason so i'd be i'd be curious to know what that would look like if it was another person who was very much like that and me too um you know so it would be interesting to see how that story plays out i really i would be genuinely very curious i could tell a really good story now honestly you kind of have to i think the idea because it's a kind of cooperative storytelling game the reality is that uh you'd have to still know as characters like we know this is we're we're trying to tell a good story we want to see what would happen if we kind of try to make it right a little bit but we both kind of have to move the game towards uh, right. Tragedy and because that's the game. Yeah, because that's the mm-hmm. game. Yeah. So right, you kind of right. have to have that caveat. You couldn't like actively really try not to break up because you hold all the power anyway. You could just not. And that would make the game not work. But you could, you know, you could tell whatever story you want, essentially. It's, you know, you know, but you'd be breaking the rules of the game, sort of. But right, there is right. one more mechanic that's, I saved the most gut wrenching mechanic that I didn't tell you about yet. Oh, God. Okay. Yeah. I'm ready. <laughs> so after three scenes, so after the third scene of the game, you you and the other person take a voice recording device like on your phone and you go into a space by yourself, uh, like another room or something, and you record a message for the other person. At that point in the game, it's still pretty lighthearted. Uh, it's still like you're still kind of feeling pretty good about each other in my experience anyway, usually like you're still kind of in that, like it's not necessarily new relationship energy because maybe your characters have been together for a while, but as players, you just started playing. You're only in three scenes. Right. So you have new relationship energy to this fictional relationship. And yeah, you record that nice message for the other person. It's usually nice as in my experience, people record like a nice little message. Like, I just want you to know, I know we had a little bit of a fight, but I really care about you, whatever, whatever you might say. And at the end of the game, after you've broken up at the end of the last scene, you play the messages back in silence. And that's the last thing that happens in the game. Yeah. Yeah, that's a lot. <laughs> you know, because that's yeah. that's the beauty of it, right? Like you're you're like you were two people who loved each other so much at one point. And yeah, yeah. I mean, potentially I to me, it very much captures the like feeling of the fact that once you've broken up with somebody you're inevitably going to find their stuff or a picture of the two of you or a letter they Mm -hmm. wrote you or a card they gave you and that's gonna come back and those early feelings are some of the most painful parts about 
breaking up with somebody mm-hmm. is like the memories from when things were good. Remember when, like that is the worst part. Like to me, for me, in my experience, the worst yeah. part was like, like remembering when it was good or when it felt easy or when like um, you fell in love. Like not everyone's going to have that to their breakup, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. that was very much my experience. And like you finding I, today, literally today, I found a picture of my ex-wife that I didn't know I had. Uh, oh, wow. A physical photograph. And, oh, it was hard. It was like hearing that voicemail all over again. And I have started to cry playing this game just when we were going to hit play on the voicemails because I remember, like, I remembered what I recorded. Like, I had kind <sighs> of forgotten, you know, as we played. But I remembered what I recorded and the things that are a lot of times this happens in the game, Rachel, just naturally. And it's it's so freaking hard or painful. Like the nice thing you leave in the message sometimes is the very thing you end up kind of breaking up about or like, oh, yeah, getting absolutely over. And then you remember, like when you go to hit play on the voicemail, like, oh, fuck, I forgot I said whatever. Yeah. Like and and that so yeah so that's kind of the last period on the end of the game for for Jeez. when you play it yeah and i mean it's like for me anyway it's always this like well it, it makes you just ruminate if i had done this differently if i had done this differently if i had just tried harder yeah. here if i you know what i mean it's just like I mean, it's these thought cycles that are over and over and over again so i can totally see how that would play in and you know when the voicemail comes back you're just like maybe this was the moment when i could have done something differently yes exactly you know, like, so, wow, that is, that's really powerful. I mean, and, and, you know, you've said that there are some people who are like, yeah, I don't think, I mean, myself included, I don't think I could do that right now. Right. Um, but you do find people who are willing to lean into that. Like, I guess, talk about that a little bit. Talk about the vulnerability that's required to play this game. And, you know, you have to be willing to feel uncomfortable emotions. And a lot yeah. of people just don't want to do that. That's so true. what's that experience like? Yeah. Yeah, uh, there was something you said initially, too, that triggered something I was going to say. Oh, I know. Well, I actually have been, I don't know, I kind of turned people away from this. I, someone told me that, uh, hey, what if I played it? What if I actually played this game with my ex? And I... I almost just threw up in my mouth. Right. <laughs> so, like, I advised against that because I just, the game is not some sort of clinical tool no like you already did the breakup you know how it went (laughs) it's it's a game and and i i wouldn't want it to re-traumatize anybody that's why we have safety tools in the game that's why we talk about aftercare in the rule book uh so i wouldn't necessarily but my point is that that's an example of somebody who like really you know thought about leaning into the themes of the game and yeah the amount the kind of like vulnerability it takes to play I would say it takes, I don't, it, it depends again on the way you want the game to be for you and your experience. So the key either, no key, no matter what is intentionality, talk to the person you're playing with about the kind of game you want to play. If you want to have a really serious, vulnerable game, you absolutely have to discuss it beforehand. I talk about that Mm -hmm. because like you can't, 
go into it with different if one of you is coming in to play ben franklin and, and the talking raccoon and the other person is coming in to tell like this gut-wrenching breakup story <laughs> like you gotta make sure you're compatible as storytellers yes. yeah and yes exactly but also in order to not hurt someone because mm-hmm. if the other person isn't ready for those themes or that depth then you know they have to know that's what they're getting into from the beginning and that's just really important so we talk um in the book about uh about like something like rating hey i want to play this pg i want to play this g i want to play this pg-13 um we talk about that as like one way of providing safety and uh so you can get kind of as like intense that way as you want to or you know you can talk about safety tools in advance and say like hey i want to get really vulnerable in this game so we're going to have these safety tools in place we can always pause the game we can always rewind we can always fast forward through something if it's too hard all those sa- all that safety is going to be in the game uh and uh so you know you can you can do that so that you can come to the game to be vulnerable so i think that there's kind of different ways you can approach that but i think that if someone wants to have like a really deep experience where they really like if you want to cry at the end like i've done a couple of times then yeah it takes a willingness to allow some bleed it takes a willingness Mm -hmm. to even if you're like even if you're playing ben franklin and when ben franklin and the talking raccoon fought in that game they freaking fought they were like well, you have no idea, you know, like they were like really (laughs) going at each other. And yeah, you're right. Like that's uncomfortable. Like you have to be willing to like kind of be in a little bit of an uncomfortable space, no matter how you choose to play it. And I think that's kind of, it's, it's, it's like some people don't like to watch the show, the office. Yes. Yes. The secondhand embarrassment. Yes. And, Mm -hmm. and so the office is not going to be for everybody. And similarly, this game won't be for everybody because some people will look at that and just go like, I just, don't want to be uncomfortable i don't want to get well why would i do that to myself i i mean that's what my ex would say (laughs) yeah like why would i want to get in a fight with someone if i don't have to like they don't get kind of the value of experiencing that in a game and that's fine Mm -hmm. it's not gonna be Mm -hmm. for everybody yeah yeah no absolutely yeah i mean and it sounds so have you played this with mel i have actually okay yeah, I'm curious. I'm curious about that. We played a the earliest version of the game before the before breaking objects was even part of the game. We played an earlier version of the game, and so we had and that, but that was kind of by design. It's kind of a cop out because we used it to tell this really. I mean, I guess it's not really a cop out, but we used it to tell the kind of penultimate part of our Pot of Love season two story. We from the very beginning of that season, this is a spoiler for someone who may (laughs) rare person who might want to listen to that show, but we started the second season with a couple, these two people, they were Mm -hmm. also high school sweethearts, interestingly enough. Uh, And they, the game, we follow them in the story as they get married. And at the end of the season, they break up. And, and uh, we used broken for that. And then we played, broken just last weekend mel and i and recorded it for a future pot of love episode and that's where we broke the tiny violin oh okay good it keeps playing my heart will go on yeah Uh, well okay well that here's another question well okay wow i have so many thoughts right now okay number one i am so glad that you know i mean i'm not surprised but it's incredible to have a partner that's you know so supportive of your healing process from like a different relationship yeah um so that's really really cool and how long has this been how long have you been developing this one 
Well, so I kind of, you know how we were talking about how long have you and I know each other? Right. Like, I would say it's about the same amount of time that you and I have known each other. So I've been okay. like maybe around, I forget when I, I forget when the idea first popped into my head, but it was kind of around the same time that the All Prince Open Network was launching. It's like 2017, 2018, but not in its version now. And I had no idea what it would look like yet. Just right. Like in its right. infancy. So I worked on it in earnest for this years ago, before, like 20... I want to say 2018 or 20, probably 2019, 2019, I worked on it. And then I kind of hit some writing blocks, basically design blocks. And I set it aside. And then I eventually solved the design problems I was trying to solve and came up with the core mechanic of breaking objects in the game. And mm-hmm. I came back to it. And obviously it's been years you know, maybe it was 2020. I don't really, when I got that, what well, doesn't matter, but uh, <laughs> I came back to it. It's all a blur. Yeah, it is. Kind of, those years are sort of a blur. Uh, but yeah, I came back to it and I finished uh, designing the game. And then we've been kind of working on getting all the pieces together uh, since then to like, to like okay. crowdfund the game, which is how we're releasing it. We're going to be crowdfunding the game. And then my hope is that it'll have some success. Uh, crowdfunding an ebook version of the game and then nice. people will start okay. playing the game and then my hope is to crowdfund a print run down the line I, I think great yeah that makes sense yeah and I'll definitely have you share like the link information yeah as we, for sure as we wrap up yeah. but okay and then the other question that kind of came into my head at the same time so I'm a very nostalgic person mm-hmm. yeah me too and looking at so like you break these objects yeah what do you do with them afterwards? Uh-huh. Well, if you're me, you hoard them. Okay. Okay. That's cu- probably what I would do, too. <laughs> I mean, they're literally here at the table where I'm recording. There are some of them. Uh, the tiny violin I moved. Oh, I think I cleared my space to record it. I think I actually did move them all out of here now. But, yeah, no, I have I have all most of my broken objects. Well, not the, like – sometimes you break them where you can't keep them. Like, if you take, like right. – As I have learned, trust me. So – we talk about physical safety in the in the book because that's very important as well. Uh, you should always like be careful breaking things so you don't hurt yourself. It's very important. Yes. Uh, so like sometimes we'll get like a ceramic bowl or something along those lines, and then you really you could you it's really hard to gently break those things. You kind yeah. of have to like take them outside and drop them on the ground, and smash them, and then there is yep. nothing left to keep. Yeah. Yeah. But it's like shards of stuff. Ugh. Like my 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 stuff, like the vinyl record that we broke in the 1980s game, like things like that. I'm trying to think what else. Uh, the tiny violin, uh, things like that. Those are things I will keep uh, as memories. Yeah, and it's again, it's like uh, another question of like you're. It's a reminder of of a painful moment like you know fictional or no it's it's a reminder of a painful moment where you felt intense emotions and um you know kind of going back to like that whole when you find things after a breakup like you know having those objects reminding you of it's just i i don't know that that just occurred to me i'm like what do you do with them afterwards because some people probably just throw them away i just had a thought that i had never really thought of rachel and it almost makes me want to at some point add a note about this in the rule book it may just like be the kind of thing people can just find on their own like maybe i don't have to include everything i think of in the book but i just realized because sitting here on my shelf the one object i didn't move out of here is up on the shelf above me in my office is a bell 
Mm. Cool bell, like uh, it's a glass bell. You can see the ringer inside. It's very pretty, and it's sitting there intact, not broken, because in that sometimes in the game you'll have a bro- an object not broken in the end, and that's because if sometimes two of you will become disillusioned with something at the same time, or it's like you kind of write down the same trait, like they make me feel safe. Mm-hmm. And you both wrote that down. And then a lot of times you'll, you're going to become disillusioned with those at the same time. When that happens, you will do less scenes in the game, which means you'll have like oh. an object left over. And so I'm sitting here and my bell is like sitting on my shelf here. And this is like an artifact, but it's an artifact of an unbroken object. So it's like almost hits in a different way. Like, Ooh, this is a remnant of our relationship that didn't get broken. Oh, interesting. Yeah, and that's kind of like its own memory. It's kind of its own artifact to play. Like, uh, I never thought about that, but I might. Um, I don't know. It's it may be worth putting a note in the book that says something about that when that happens and how you may wish to keep those artifacts. But that people might just do that naturally on their own anyway. And you, um, you kind of went through the process that you went through of developing the game. But what does like what does that I mean? It's, so it's a a tabletop. Yeah. Not even, what, what, it's a tabletop, right? Okay. Yeah. TTRPG. Yes. Um, I know things sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> People are like, wait, what? Um, yeah. So it's a TTRPG, and the main thing that you have to do, right, is to do the mental work of coming up with this concept and writing the rule book. Mm, yeah. Like that's the like so what what other parts of the development process, you know, like um, the crowdfunding thing, how has yeah. that gone? You know, the, yeah. the press, the style, like how, how's all that been going? Yep. Yeah. Thank you uh, for asking. So uh, I, I wrote the game and a lot of times what you do is you'll hire like an artist uh, to do like maybe sketches or art inside the book. You'll hire a layout artist to lay out the book on the page. Like, like you would in any publishing uh, mm-hmm. no matter what the book is like you hire, hire a layout artist you hire an editor um in my case a safety designer also um some other okay. people as consultants and stuff on the project so there's a lot of like kind of pulling those people in and there's different like i happen to write and do the layout of my book and okay really happy with the look of it i thought it i thought it was i'll say i think it's a beautiful book it looks really nice um and I and it's like a full color book. There is there are photos in it that are uh, that that are there that like kind of show off people in relationships or memories or broken or physical a lot of physical broken objects mm-hmm. in the book that kind of highlight the themes. And so yeah, there's all that. So I wrote and lay, did the layout for the book. And then the other things I mentioned before, I have other people working on it with me. So there's some behind the scenes work in getting the game ready to download. And we decided for this game to do an ebook first. And we decided that for a few reasons, I wanted to get people playing the game. I wanted to get it out there. I wanted to get it circulating. I think it's also, it's in some ways, it's not necessarily easier to just do an ebook. There are actually advantages to doing a print run immediately in the game industry when you're crowdfunding. Sometimes those crowdfunds actually raise, generate more money because people really like physical books. But I wanted to get the game out there. I wanted to, I have some environmental commitments I was considering. I uh, have, um, uh, there, there's like kind of a lot of internal factors to making that choice. And I decided that the best thing for this game was to do an ebook first and get the game out there and get people experiencing it. And then if, you know, if we generate interest, uh, which I think we will, uh, we will, 
we, you know, we'll do another crowdfund, I think, to do a print run of the game. So, so far, all the pieces have come together really well to do the itch funding. And we're using, sorry, I use slang there. I've been trying hard not to use anything. <laughs> but we are using a website called itch.io instead of Kickstarter. To Now, itch.io gives a lot of power to the creators. It's not an all or nothing funding like Kickstarter is. It is a essentially much more transactional. So like on the day our campaign goes live in July, on July 19th, People go to the website for it, and that, and I'm not, I know we're at the, not at the plug part, but they go to the website for it, and they can support it like you would on Kickstarter, but you would back it for a certain amount of money. Let's say you say twenty. So let's say you decide to back it at twenty dollars. Mm-hmm. Uh, you don't only get a commitment that the game at some point in the future is going to be finished. You actually get the game immediately. You get the current, what we're calling the Ashcan version of the game right away, and you can start playing it immediately. And when the final version of the game is finished, the full book is done, you will also get that full book. Uh, so, And if we unlock stretch goals, you'll get that stuff as well. So you get something right away. You have bought something. And if we don't necessarily hit the goal, we don't hit the goal, uh, people have still bought something. So there is sort of this built into it, this uh, expectation that people should know that like, if you if you purchase the game or you back the game and it doesn't fund, you have the game, you have already spent the money. So there's right. some risk that like you might not fund the fullest version of the game, but you do get the game right away anyway, if that makes sense. No, absolutely. I mean, it's you're putting down money, you get a product, right? So... That's cool. Yeah, no, I definitely can see why that would be an appealing option rather than like Kickstarter, I feel like, which has its has its things, right? <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of pluses to Kickstarter, um, but and I, I and I'm not here to trash them or anything, but I think for our the release of our ebook that doing it on this digital platform of itch.io, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I think it was just the right choice for our game. Yeah, okay. Well, I was going to ask you about like how you indulge in self-care in the making of this game, but I guess that also kind of opens up to you talking about the aftercare that you kind of mentioned yes, in the game well, and what that looks like. I do talk a little bit about aftercare in the book and the importance of doing aftercare. So like, I think aftercare is going to look different for different people playing the game. Uh, I, I think it involves communication first and foremost is the most important thing. Communicating your wants and needs after you play with the other person you're playing with. Aftercare might just be as simple as, hey, we're just going to talk about that game. How did it go? What do you think? Did you have fun? It could be more like, I need you to hear me out on this or I need some sort of physical presence from you or physical touch from you or I need some space from you. Mm-hmm. And, and, and maybe the person who has a lot of feelings involved needs to do something else afterward too. Like, I need to, my aftercare is going to be taking a bubble bath or my aftercare is going to be, uh, you know, going for a run or whatever it might be for, for the individuals playing. And, you know, like my self care, you know, you kind of laced that in, uh, how do I indulge in? Well, I'll tell, I can tell you what I've been doing. (laughs) (laughs) I, (laughs) you know, so I said I was a hopeless romantic always. And (laughs) so because this is a tragic game, and it's sad, and I've been playing a lot of sad games, and I've been listening to people play the game and getting really sad with them. I decided I needed to do something really silly and ridiculous and watch some trashy reality te- romance television. Oh, nice. And like, there you go. sometimes tweet about it, but mostly just like really just enjoy the ridiculousness. So I 
just finished season two of Love is Blind on Netflix. Oh, so good. <laughs> and I started season one because I hadn't seen it yet. So I jumped right to Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think Netflix kind of like sold me on season two right away. Like, I guess it was their newest season of it. Yes, yes. And they like were pushing me on season two and I just jumped into season two. And then, like, all right, sounds good. Yeah. So really, that's my current self-care. Okay. No, that's a that's a great answer and makes complete sense for, you know, the juxtaposition of, of the game. Um, well, what is your advice for people working to like survive through heartbreak? Um, people who are trying to process, people who are, you know, just going through it and Yeah. You know, what's what's your advice? It really depends on where you are in your process, I think, and where you are in your heartbreak, I really think, uh, kind of what that answer looks like. Because if it's still so new and if it's still so raw, the first and most important things you can really do to try to survive if you're not is like getting going into therapy if you're not already. Mm -hmm. I mean, everyone should be in therapy, but mm -hmm. uh, but. yeah, go into therapy. <laughs> so, um, that's my that's just my advice. Um, but I think if you, depending on where you are in the healing process, I, my first gut reaction to the answer was play. Not, not mm. necessarily this game, but like, or even a game at all. But play, like find some sort of play, playfulness with and for yourself. And that could be just a whole bunch of things. It could be a hobby for somebody. It could be some way to ha just have fun, laugh, and be silly. Go out with your friends. Uh, maybe you go to the bar, whatever. You know, like whatever it is, but like play. Have some play time. Play a board game with some friends. Something that's going to be play for you because the act of play is so healing in and of itself. It's, it's like the way human beings really... Um, engage in both in both joy and transition. I'm a big believer that play is the space that like we created as not, I said I'm a big believer in this. I didn't make it up. This is from psychology, <laughs> but play is the very space we developed as children while learning to transition in life away from uh, our mother or parent or whatever uh, to the rest of the world. And so Ooh, like play is transition. Play is uh, uh, moving on, right? And play oftentimes is the space by which we heal, you know, and handle transition. So yeah, I think that's one of the be best things people can do to survive heartbreak uh, or find their, because you'll, you'll engage in these other things that you also need to do as you're surviving heartbreak, which is self-discovery. One mm -hmm. uh, is very intentional that the traits in the game broken are things about the other person or being in a relationship with them, because so often relationships that are going to end in, in breakup one of the traits that those kinds of relationships have is that people tended to identify themselves in the other person or in their relationship with the other person. Absolutely. And so there, it's by design that the game leaves you at the end with no traits. And all you can do is ask like, okay, so who am I now? And that process of figuring out who you are now, who are you as a single person, especially if you've been in a relationship for a long time, mm -hmm. I think is a huge part of like thriving afterward and asking that question and, and f discovering yourself and play is just one of those ways in which we can discover ourselves again. Yeah. That's a great answer. Really great answer. And a good way of 
like I feel like the same way, but I never would have, you know, phrased it in that way. So that's interesting. Well, uh, Ben, how about you give us the uh, details for where, you know, people can find you, where people can learn more about the game, where people can fund the game. Like this is your time to Thanks. promote, promote, promote. Yeah. So, yeah. So folks, if this is, I, I don't know when you're listening to this, if you're listening to this before July 19th and before the game has launched, you can go to bit.ly slash broken launch bit.ly slash broken launch and if you put your email address in you will get just one email only i promise only one email when it goes live inviting you to uh fund the game so the like on launch day you'll get a reminder hey the game is going live and you can uh click on this link and go to the game if it's after if, if this is after july 19th and the game is live it's bit.ly slash broken game bit.ly slash broken games if you can also go to uh apon games on itch.io uh and or it's just bit.ly slash apon games if you follow us there you'll also get notified when the game goes live or you can find broken on there if it's live and after the fact and people can also find me on twitter by the way i i am pretty heavy on there and my twitter is at uh benjamin wallace spelled w-a-l-l-i-s so yeah, that's I guess I guess that's all my plugs. I do have a link tree. It's that gamer priest. If people want to like find okay. everything else I do, it's, yeah, 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 it's out there. So that's I find that link tree is um, so helpful for just having everything in one place. Like yeah. together, everything's there. You know what? I didn't know. <laughs> some people made some jokes about it. I didn't know that link tree was kind of famous for people putting like their OnlyFans and things on there. Like oh, I, interesting. I, yeah, I think it used to have a implication of that that it does definitely does not anymore but i think or at least a lot of people used it that way to like share like that kind of stuff that maybe was just a slightly more uh uh would be the right term not hidden not that that's a, that's a negative connotation but just like d- discreet i guess uh sure was using a link tree to share all those links but oh interesting go figure learn new things every day <laughs> All right. Well, any any last pieces of advice, wise words, oh. etc., before we sign off here? No, I don't think I have any advice or wise words. I uh, hope folks will check out the game uh, while it's crowdfunding or after the fact. And yeah, I hope. I just kind of hope that if you play it, I don't know. If you play it and you're someone who's had a hard breakup or gone through a breakup, I hope you find a little bit of a new insight. Maybe just like a yeah. new insight from playing it. That's my hope. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Ben. It's been great talking to you, catching up with you. And um, uh, yeah, everybody check out the game, Broken. Uh, And this episode's going to air on the 15th. So if you're listening to it right away, you can head right on over there. Awesome. Yeah. Other than that, everybody, thank you for listening. You have been listening to Wine, Dine, and 69. I am your host, Rachel Dalton, and let's keep talking. Mm -hmm.